Freedom, man. That's what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom, like the good book says. listening to what on earth is happening this show will discuss the topics of human consciousness mind control natural law the occult and all issues that affect the freedom of the people of earth what on earth is happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches its critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. Welcome, one and all. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening right here on the Intel Hub News Network. I'm your host, Mark Passio. The show is live every Tuesday evening from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. My website is whatonearthishappening.com. The network's website, theintelhubnewsnetwork.com. Today is Tuesday, January 18, 2011. And we have a good show lined up for you here today. We're going to continue to unravel some occult philosophies and traditions on what on earth is happening. This has uh, been, we've been taking a break from the mind control methodologies that we've been outlining and exploring in depth on the show for many, many weeks. And uh, I feel that it is important to expose the listeners to some uh, schools of occult thought because this is essential if we are really going to understand both ourselves and the methods which are being wielded against us, because it is all about knowing the self. And if we remain in ignorance of it, we can be controlled through the mind. And it's also important to understand different occult schools and schools of thought and philosophies to understand symbolism and how symbolism really works, which is going to be the next method of mind control and uh, basically um, covert influence upon consciousness that we're going to be talking about on the show in the next couple of weeks. Tonight we are going to look at the tradition of tarot, the tarot cards, the book of life as it is called. So this should be a great show, and we're going to be discussing a lot of sacred symbolism on the show tonight. We'll be breaking down the major arcana of the tarot deck, and we'll be seeing how the tarot deck relates to the Kabbalistic tradition, the tradition of Kabbalah and the Tree of Life, which we looked at extensively last week. So uh, up on the website, um, I have some images and a document. If you go to whatonearthishappening.com 
and you go to the radio listen page, which is the button that is on the left-hand side of the site. Click that. It will take you to the listen page, and you will see there for tonight's show, January 18, 2011, you'll see images and document. And there are three image links there for the show tonight to refer to, and there is a PDF document. It's a, a compressed series of JPEG images made into a PDF, and um, it's about six megabytes, so hopefully the server will be able to handle that depending on how many people are downloading it. Uh, be patient with that. That is an entire tarot deck. It is the Universal Weight Tarot Deck by A.E. Weight, and it's an excellent deck. It is uh, colored beautifully, and um, all of the images, all 78 images of the tarot deck are included in that PDF document for reference uh, on the show this evening and uh, during your own time. Um, that is if you don't already have a tarot deck that you can refer to while we go through this. Now, um, I want to give the call-in numbers and I want to read the event announcements for today before we get started. I'll start with the event announcements, then I'll give the call-in numbers, okay? So here we go. Two event announcements for tonight. Truth, Freedom, Prosperity. They have their monthly documentary showing and discussion night. Uh, this is uh, the first time that it's being held at its new venue, which is Media Bureau Studios. Media Bureau is at 725 North 4th Street in Philadelphia. And uh, this, this uh, month, uh, they, they've also moved it to the last Wednesday of the month. So Wednesday, January 26th at 6.45 p.m. Wednesday, January 26th, 6.45 p.m. at 725 North 4th Street. The documentary that they will be screening this month is called Melt Up. I'll read the description. TFP's free monthly documentary screens are back in full effect. We hope you enjoyed the holidays and are refreshed and ready for the new year. We are. We decided to kick the year off with a film called Melt Up, the beginning of a U.S. currency crisis and hyperinflation by the National Inflation Association. We chose this film because while most of us have been affected by the financial crisis, we're barely scratching the surface of what's to come and there is something you can do about it, so bring guests. This film is less than an hour, leaving, for, leaving plenty of time for a question and answer session and discussion at the end. We will also have copies of the movie available for you to take with you when you leave. So that's great. So uh, Truth, Freedom, Prosperity, with their monthly documentary screening and discussion night, you can get a free disc of Melt Up if you come out um, uh, I don't know if they're free. It says we'll have copies, so there will be copies available. I don't want to say that they're free. Um, come on out to Media Bureau Studios, 725 North 4th Street, next Wednesday. Uh, for more information on this group and their activities, please visit www.truthfreedomprosperity.org. And finally, the Free Your Mind Conference. This is racing toward us. Uh, tickets are on sale now. Check out the website to get uh, tickets. Um, this is the big conference coming up in Philadelphia. I'm one of the co-hosts and organizers of this conference. It's called Free Your Mind, a conference on consciousness, mind control, and the occult. Saturday, April 9th and Sunday, April 10th, 2011 at Ruba Hall, R-U-B-A, Ruba Hall, 414 Green Street in Philadelphia. The doors 
each day open at 9 a.m., and the first speaker will begin at around 10 a.m. each day. Admission price is $20 per day if you buy your tickets in advance. If you want to get them at the door, they will be $30 at the door. Free Your Mind is a unique two-day conference scheduled for April 9th and 10th, 2011 in Philadelphia, featuring multiple speakers and diverse educational materials for the purpose of raising public awareness of the critically important topics of mass mind control techniques, the covert and subversive influences upon our consciousness and behavior, trauma-based and ritualized abuse, and the practical mental and emotional healing methodologies available for those affected by these devices. The featured speaker list, and this has been modified since last week, we had a, a one cancellation and we had three new acceptances. Um, Aaron McCollum, Alfred Weber, Andrew Basiago, Bob Tuscan, Farah Yurdozu, a new speaker just added this week, just accepted to come and be part of the Free Your Mind Conference, and this is a bit, really big deal. We're thrilled to have Mr. Freeman Fly as part of the Free Your Mind Conference, just confirmed this week. Freeman will be at the Free Your Mind Conference speaking at this event. Jan Irvin, John Nicholson, Joseph Mara, he's one of the new additions as well, Larkin Rose, Laura Eisenhower, Mark Matika, Mark Passio, Mel, uh, Michael Kelly, Paul Marco, and Suzanne Taylor. Those are the, uh, that is the lineup of speakers as it stands right now, and I believe that total is now 16 speakers. Uh, as I announced last week, uh, I, I thought that uh, Mel Fabregas w would be canceling, and that is... Uh, the case. Uh, Mel Fabregas will not be able to make it due to some other uh, commitments that came up. So uh, he, he is uh, off of the speaker bill, but we've added three new speakers, including Freeman Fly, Joseph Mara, and Paul Marco. So uh, the total is 16 speakers now. It's shaping up to be a great event, even though we've had a lot of difficulties in getting this organized and in raising the funds. Um, to, to uh, bring people out. If, at, if there is any way that you could help contribute, um, there is a donation. Um, there is a donation link on the left-hand side of the website. If you're in a position to help with this cause, please click that and uh, make an inquiry about making a donation. And um, uh, we need the help in bringing some of the out-of-town speakers. We still are a few thousand dollars short we raised $1,000 last week, uh, I'm sorry, uh, this past weekend, I should say, at Germ Books. I gave a lecture uh, about the uh, occult symbolism in the movie The Wizard of Oz, and it was a packed house. It was standing room only, and we raised about $1,000 for the Free Your Mind conference this past weekend. So it was a very successful event. Hopefully uh, we can keep up that spirit and some people... Uh, will uh, help out and make some donations uh, at the last minute because we have to get the travel expense money out to the speakers uh, next month. So um, I would encourage you to please do that if you are in a position to help out. For more information on this great conference, please visit www.freeyourmindconference.com. Freeyourmindconference.com.
So those are the event announcements, and let's give the call-in numbers, and then we'll jump right in. Okay, the call-in numbers for the show. If you're going to call into the TalkShoe Network, 724-444-7444. Once again, 724-444-7444. The call ID number for TalkShoe is 83515. Once again, the call ID for what on earth is happening, 83515. If, on the other hand, you'd prefer to call into the Blog Talk net- Network, if you're listening on that network, please call into 646-727-3387. The Blog Talk call-in number, 646-727-3387. Okay, we're going to talk about tarot tonight, and specifically its relation to Kabbalah, and then we will be breaking down the symbolism of the tarot. Actually, we'll be doing this kind of in conjunction uh, at the same time simultaneously. Um, I'll be breaking down the symbolism and relating it to the tarot tradition, uh, to the Kabbalah tradition, I should say. So we looked at the tree of life symbolism of Kabbalah last week and understood, hopefully, how this is connected with the human psyche and human consciousness. It is all about the self. It is knowledge of self. Um, I posted some really nice videos on Kabbalah, very simple, uh, nothing in-depth on the website in the podcast section, uh, along with some books on Kabbalah. So for people that want to study further, they can go up to my website, they can click onto the podcast tab, and I believe the show last week was show number 42. So that is up on the site. And there is a a host of documents up there uh, for your uh, perusal and download. Um, And you could uh, throw them on any kind of a digital reader or read them on your computer and learn more about the Kabbalistic tradition. Um, There's also some movies that are very simple on what Kabbalah is, what it can do for you. Uh, Basic, basic material. Uh, Very introductory. Okay, for the, the student who is just beginning, the, uh, the new initiate, so to speak. Okay? Uh, I would uh, hope that people will avail themselves of this information and study it further because it is a powerful and rich tradition if it is understood in the proper light and used in the right ways. So that's what this is all about on the show. Knowledge is simply a means. Uh, what we do with it is what really matters. Okay, that's what true wisdom is all about. And um, uh, this information can be used for great good or great evil. It it depends upon the consciousness of the wielder of said information. And I will continue to repeat that theme ad infinitum on this show because uh, we have to understand what the occult is in a much more mature way. And I think that we need to expose it further and further and further and take this into uh, the realm where it becomes truly widespread and distributed distributed information. That is the only way I think we're going to lead to anything in our uh, world that resembles true freedom in any way. When the occult is no longer hidden, when when it is no longer the occult anymore, when it becomes common sense. That is my contention, and that is why I do this show. So... 
with that in mind, let's look at one of the oldest and most sacred tradition regarding self-knowledge and regarding the forces at work both within the individual unit of consciousness, the soul, so to speak, what some occult philosophers have called the monad or the individual unit of self-awareness of consciousness and how that relates to the forces that are at work in nature, in the macrocosmic realm, in the universe. And that's what the tarot really teaches us if we are receptive to its message. If we understand it as something simply more than a deck of cards, if we understand it as a book that is really telling us the story of of ourselves. And we need to turn inward to study that story. And that's what the symbolism of the tarot card simply helps us to do. It is a tool, okay? And it has been referred to, as I said, as the book of life, okay, as the book of truth as well. And we can start to um, look at the imagery of the cards and how rich and detailed they are if you've downloaded the PDF document with the deck. Um, What I want to just do, and again, I could never possibly, possibly, just as a caveat to all of this, I could never possibly uh, give anyone all of the knowledge of the tarot in no matter how many shows I did it. I can only hope to whet someone's appetite to study this further on their own because you can make a lifetime study of the tarot you could, because you can make a lifetime study of the self. Okay, so this is just an introductory primer and that's all it is intended to be. In no way is this intended to be extensive or thorough or comprehensive. It's an introduction to the tarot. Okay, for the student that wants to look further into this and will take it seriously and go deeper and understand that this is a tradition that teaches about the self, they are more than welcome to do so. And I will, uh, as I did with Kabbalah last week, I will post some uh, introductory material on tarot for people that want to look further into it. And that will be posted along with this podcast on the podcast section of my website. So, what is the tarot? The tarot is a deck of cards that tell a story, a tapestry, okay, help us to explore consciousness, as I've said. And they are, these cards are 78 in number in a true tarot deck. 78, okay? There are 22 trump cards, or what is called the major arcana. The arcana is the word for knowledge, okay? It is a Latin word. It means knowledge. Um, This means the major knowledge, okay? Higher knowledge. And what the major arcana represents, or these trump cards, what it represents is the connection between the soul and the universe. So this is the correspondence principle that we've talked about in past weeks, okay? The hermetic principle of that which is above is like to that which is below, meaning that the universe is self-similar across all scales, okay? That which happens in the microcosmic world or the 
the small, okay, is reflected into the macrocosmic world or the very large. So that which is taking place at an individual level is reflected outward into society, and that's what our society becomes like depending on how many people embody that particular modality of consciousness. It's very easy to understand, actually. You know, if you keep putting uh, a certain type of energy into any given system, you will result with more of that kind of energy in that system. Okay, you keep heating a pot of water, you will get hotter water. Okay, you keep adding colder water to an existing pool of water, the overall temperature of the entire pool of water will become colder. It's quite simple if we just apply our minds to try to understand this. Uh, and that is what the, the major arcana suit or the, the part of the deck called the major arcana is all about. It is about this relationship between microcosm and macrocosm. And that's what I'm going to try to really get the listener to understand with the symbolism that I've posted to the site uh, today. Okay, so... Um, there are four other suits or sub-decks within the tarot deck of 78 cards. So on the major arcana, there are 22 cards, okay, 22. Okay, and they are numbered 0 through 21. So if you look at the PDF document that I've posted, you will see that I start with a face, uh, uh, a deck face card. This is basically just showing you what the deck that I uh, chose for the symbolism to explain the symbolism is. And it's called the Universal Weight Deck, and it shows you who made this deck, who contributed to it. So uh, this deck is derived from the teachings of uh, A.E. Weight, Arthur Edmund Weight. And um, uh, that's slide one, or page one in this PDF document. Um, page two is where the major arcana starts, and it starts with card number zero, and then it goes forward to all the way up to card 21, and these cards are uh, numbered in Roman numerals, so hopefully people are somewhat familiar with Roman numerals. Um, I could refer to the page numbers as well if, if Roman numerals confuses people, but uh, that is how they are... Um, that is how they are... Um, uh, arranged on, in the PDF document. Now, the other four subdecks of the tarot are wands, cups, swords, and pentacles. Wands, cups, swords, and pentacles. Okay? And you will see them below the 21st card, I should say the 22nd, counting the zero card. In, of the major arcana, wands will start below that, and then you will see cups, and then you will see um, swords, and then you will see pentacles, if you're paging through or scrolling through this PDF document. Um, what these four subdecks represent is basically, th this is called the minor arcana. By the way, all four of these decks taken together is called the minor arcana. And these four subdecks represent different qualities of the self. They represent, I'll start with the lowest in energy. See, these decks are actually arranged in energy. 
levels. The major arcana I put at the very beginning of the um, of the, the document that I uh, assembled because this is the highest deck as far as knowledge and energy goes because this is the deck of the soul and the universal forces that are at work in nature. Okay, So nothing is really higher in consciousness and energy than that and that's why it's considered the quintessence or the fifth element of the deck. Okay, The element that describes the soul and the forces of nature. Okay. So that's the highest in power. Going down from that, we have wands, okay? And wands represents the element of fire, fire. And you'll see fire symbolism in the wands as they're drawn, okay? Fire is an alchemical symbol or representation. And what it basically represents in, the, in our lives and uh, in relation to ourselves is our actions, okay, our actions. This is why it is the highest in power, because our actions are what actually work in the physical world higher than anything else, any other force, any other elemental force that changes the material plane, okay? So these four decks represent what goes on in the material plane, okay, of the, of the minor arcana. Fire being the highest in energy, which is wands, okay? In the regular playing card deck, just as, a, as a, uh, an analog to the tarot, because that is where it is derived, although in a bastardized form, this would be the suit of clubs. So wands corresponds to the suit of clubs in the regular playing card deck. Now, what you will notice immediately is in the regular playing card deck, the entire major arcana has been removed. And that's critical. That is very telling in my estimation because it is showing you that the quintessence is not even considered important. The fifth element, spirit, soul, and natural law, which is what the major arcana represents. And it's been removed from the modern playing card deck. Now it's just been made something we play with, okay? Instead of something that is taken seriously, interpreted, uh, read as a, uh, uh, an, an allegory about the nature of self and natural law. And uh, that whole part of the deck has been thrown away, except, of course, for the Joker card, okay? Which is in uh, correspondence to the Fool card, the first card of the major arcana. It's the only card that is kept from the trump cards of the tarot. So, the, uh, yeah, the correspondence between the playing deck, we only have four um, suits, okay? And that's the suits, correspondences to the suits of the minor arcana. So, going down to the next level, lower in energy, still important on the material plane, but not as high of a level as actions or wands, we have cups. Cups is below wands in the minor arcana. So the wands, uh, the cups suit represents our emotional qualities. Okay, so while, while wands represents the, the, the plane of will or action, okay, cups represents the emotional plane, okay, or 
what is taking place within us, the spirit in which we do things, the spirit in which we take our actions. So the emotional qualities okay, of the self are embodied in the suit of cups. Okay? Now moving downward from there, we see the suit of swords. Okay? So swords represents our intellectual capacities and capabilities. Okay? So swords is our mind. Okay, and what we do with it. Swords is intellect. Okay, and while that's important, what we know, we have to care enough to do something with what we know, and then we have to actually develop the will to act. That's why, that's why um, swords comes even below wands and cups. Okay. So moving downward, one more level, the final, uh, and uh, by the way, let's look at the associations to the playing uh, deck. Um, for, for wands, it was clubs, okay? For cups, it's hearts, of course, because this is the emotional symbol, the heart, okay? For um, swords, it is spades. Okay, and then finally we come to pentacles. This suit is also called discs in some decks and coins in some other decks. Okay, so this is pentacles, coins, or discs, depending on which deck you uh, may have access to. Um, uh, it's called pentacles in the um, weight deck. So this suit corresponds to our resources in the physical world, okay? It's the physical plane. It's what we have as far as innate talents, innate um, propensities or capabilities, things we are seemingly born with or born able to do better than others. Um, it is also our material resources in the physical world, okay? So it could represent money, physical resources, food, um, ha house, anything like that, okay? What we have at our disposal to use in a physical sense. That is what the pentacle suit represents, okay? So as the material plane, this is the lowest in consciousness slash energy, and then we move up from there. Um, however, uh, this... This part of the deck of the Minor Arcana equates to the Diamonds suit in the regular playing card deck. So at the bottom level, physical, uh, physical plane, okay, the material plane, again, this would correspond in Kabbalah to Asiya. We talked about the four worlds of Kabbalah last week. So this part of the uh, Minor Arcana, the pentacles, would equate with the diamonds in the playing card deck to the material plane or Asiya, the world called Asiya in Kabbalah, the plane of the material realm, okay, the physical world. Above that, we have the suit of swords. Swords is correspondent to the um, spades. Uh, suit in the regular playing card deck 
and this would be the world, uh, the, the world of formation in Kabbalah, and that is um, Yetzirah. Okay? So this is the intellectual realm. Okay? This is intellect. All right? Upward from there, we go to cups. This is the emotional plane. Okay? This is hearts in the regular playing card deck. And then in the tradition of Kabbalah, this would be the third world, which is Bria. Okay? And above that, the top level would be wands of the minor arcana, that's the highest energy of that part of the uh, tarot deck. Wands represents fire. It's our actions. Okay, and in the, in the um, Kabbalistic tradition, this would correspond to Atzalut, okay, which is the archetypal world. So that's the minor arcana. I'm not really going to say too much more than that. Okay, we could also equate them to earth, air, water, and fire. Okay, earth, pentacles, resources, air, intellect, swords. Okay, now we go upward, we get to cups. That's water, emotional qualities. And then up to wands, that's fire, and that's our actions. So here we have the same principle again, thought, emotion, and action, and what we do with what we have and what we know. It's a repeating theme over and over in case, you know, in listening many weeks, we haven't still seen this pattern or connection. And hopefully people see it and understand it deeply by this point if you've been uh, following these podcasts. So that's the minor arcana, and um, you can get into it in depth. There's a whole lot more into it. It connects in with the tradition of astrology and it connects in with different uh, star constellations. It's a very fascinating study, the minor arcana, but that is not what I'm going to focus on here today. Rather, I'm going to focus on the deck that is left out of modern playing cards, the, uh, the analogy to the, um, the tarot in the modern world, the playing card deck. We're going to look at the most important part of the deck and how this relates to the Kabbalistic tradition, which is the major arcana. So let's break down the cards of the major arcana. And again, I'm going to do this in conjunction, in connection with, in correlation to the Kabbalistic tree of life. And as we said toward the end of the show last week, um, there are really two different Kabbalistic trees when we study this in conjunction with the tarot. And they are what is called the microcosmic tree of life. Okay? And this is the tree that describes the qualities of the self, the individual, the individuation of universal consciousness, the monad, as it is called in different occult schools of thought. Okay? The, the single unit, okay, the microcosm, the soul, all right? Then we can look at this tree, quote-unquote, this arrangement of cards in conjunction with the macrocosmic tree of life, which is the universal forces of nature, okay? And that's what we're going to attempt an endeavor to do here is see these cards in their relationship with another tradition. So we're building 
correspondences here. And this is what all occultism really does. See, the left brain must step aside in the study of any of these schools of thought. This is why the scientifically minded have so much of a problem with the occult. This is why people will insist that this is another religion and it has nothing to do with religion. Zero to do with religion. Okay? The other thing people will say is, I don't want to study this or look into this or understand this because I don't believe in that. This has nothing to do with beliefs either. This has to do with knowing oneself. And that's all the occult has ever been about. That's all the mystery traditions have ever been about. But in, if someone has fallen in consciousness and yet has a whole lot of knowledge about self, if they've fallen into the dynamic of fear, the energy of fear, okay? If they've fallen into fear-based consciousness, meaning that they are afraid of lack, of not having, they are obsessed with the physical world, Okay, they have become reptilian in their brain because they, they are living from the lowest brain structure, the R-complex of the brain, the reptile brain. Okay? And they're constantly in fear of what may happen to them in the physical world, and therefore they want to take, they want to hoard. They want, they want to have at the expense of other people not having. They want to create dichotomy. They want to create schism. They want to have haves and have-nots, which is where we're at in the world that we live in. All right? When this kind of a consciousness gets hold of information like this, they will hoard it, and they will use it as a weapon against people who may not be as aware as they are about how the, the, the nature of the psyche works, about how the mind itself works. And then they will twist it, pervert it, and use it as a weapon. And that's what the dark elements of occultism are. That's what they are, and that's what they have done. And we need, again, I, I'll say this repeatedly, we need to be more mature in our understanding of what the occult is. It's simply hidden knowledge, and we need to understand it is how it is used. Too many people paint with a broad brush about this and say it's all negative, it's all bad. Nonsense. The reason that, there are, that dominators want people to think that, that have a vested interest like religions, have a vested interest in having people think that is so you never understand the hidden knowledge that they do about how you work. And therefore you can be manipulated like a puppet by the people that do have this knowledge. And that's it, period. Accept that or don't accept it, but that's the truth. So... The idea that I don't believe in this stuff, right? I've responded to this before as well. You don't need to believe in it. Other people understand this information and are using it whether you believe in it or not. If you understand how a law works and how you may manipulate that law to your advantage and other people do not understand how those laws work, they're powerless to defend themselves against you who are at a much higher level of knowledge than they are, dwelling in ignorance. And, you know, pound your fists against the desk or against the wall all you want about that. That's never going to be any different, 
And you don't need to believe in it for this to be in effect an operation. And to, to take that kind of an attitude is the attitude of a child that doesn't want to believe that something exists and has an effect upon their life. It's, it's, it's the child who refuses to accept that one plus one equals two and wants it to equal three because they want one more of what they, have, they don't have. Okay? And is pounding their, their fist on the desk like a little, little child saying, why can't one plus one equal three? There is no answer to that. It simply doesn't. That's how it is. So, uh, you know, for for people that don't want to accept that the occult has any influence in their life, just, you know, click the stop button or the pause button or the mute button right now and go and turn the television on and enjoy being uh, dominated and then eventually exterminated by the dark occultists of this world because that's the only thing that's on its way. So... For those who do want to go further and understand how these principles work and how they've been manipulated, let's begin the delving into the major arcana, the higher knowledge of the tarot. Now, just before we do this, let's look at the word tarot itself. Okay, Tarot essentially is... It, it's derived from the word for the, the goddess, okay? This is, tarot is a sacred feminine tradition, okay? It is a tradition that relates to the generative principle of nature, which ultimately is true care. So this tradition ultimately goes back to goddess worship, the goddess traditions, that predate all the mystery traditions, okay? Because it, it's, it's about the nature of creation. And creation has been seen as a feminine force because the universe came out of the void, nothingness, okay? Babies come out of the womb. We all come out of the womb, the waters of our mother, the cosmic mother, of the galaxy gives birth to the stars and the solar systems that in which life inhabits and you know we have a chance to uh, come into incarnation in the physical world and learn so this goes back to ancient goddess traditions and the oldest name one of the oldest names in recorded history in the goddess tradition comes from the far east the goddess Tara, okay, a very similar in pronunciation, okay, same basic phonetic roots, Tara, and that's spelled T-A-R-A for those that want to look into this goddess. She was a goddess of compassion, mercy, nurturing, okay. It is all about the generative principle, which we've talked about. What is the prime generator of our experience? It is that which we care about. It is that which we focus our attention on and that which we care enough about to take action in the physical plane to accomplish. Okay, so that's what gives birth to the will is the heart, care, 
All right, so that is where the name Tara really comes from. This goddess Tara has many different incarnations. Okay, in the Egyptian tradition, she is Isis or Hathor or Maat okay? or Taut. She was called in older Egyptian tradition Taut, T-A-U-R-T, Taut. Now, in other uh, traditions in the, the Middle East, her name phonetically morphed and became, instead of Ta'ut with a U-R-T, we have a reversal, and it became Ta'ut, or with a soft T sound at the end, Ta'ut, 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 Ta'ut is another name associated with this goddess. Ta-Ruth. And you can hear the similarity there to our English word, truth. Taruth. Taruth. Truth. Okay, it's just a blending. It's the same basic phonetic variant, blended. So this is why this is called the Book of Truth. It's the book of Taruth, the book of Tara, the book of the goddess. It's ultimately the book of care. All right? And that is why it is referred to as the book of life. Because ultimately, if we do not understand the generative principle of care, we don't understand life. Period. That's it. So, with that in mind about the root the phonetic root of where the word tarot comes from, and we will see this goddess in the deck, visually depicted in the symbology. Um, let's look at the major arcana. And I'm going to do one more aside before we jump into that and talk about what most people think the tarot is and what it is not. What it is and what it is not. Or I should say, give people a wider understanding of what it is because they, they seem to think that this is all about fortune-telling. Okay, So I would be remiss if I didn't even just at least cover the concept of fortune-telling or divination, as it is called, the, the attempt to predict the future through different uh, reading of different symbols. Okay, um, Divination is one of the uses, the uses of the tarot deck. However, to... And you can use it that way, and I, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't particularly have any problem with tarot being used that way. However, I think that this is a lesser usage. It, it, it can definitely work like that and help us to get in touch with our intuitive capacities to help us understand the direction that things, the different courses of events, may be headed in our lives or in the world. Absolutely, the symbolism can do that. But I think that that is an even lesser um, uh, goal of the tarot. It is uh, one of the lesser intents for which the tarot was originally intended to be used. Another thing we can just briefly touch on is um, the origin of the tarot, which I'll get to in a minute. But um, the original uses, uh, the, the major use of the tarot is not for divination or fortune-telling. Fortune it is for getting in touch with the self, okay? Understanding the self better 
through the interpretation of the allegorical symbols that are contained on the cards. And the reason that this was done is because in the past, you had to tell it in, encoded because you know ruthless barbarian rulers of ancient times would have killed people, beheaded them, burned them at the stake, etc., all kinds of torture, put them on the rack for even daring to express this knowledge verbally or in a written form. So, in order to circumvent their uh, barbaric mindset, they would encode the, the story that they were actually telling, an oral tradition story, okay, into symbols, which as we say, the, the, the phrase symbols, uh, a, a picture is worth a thousand words. Well, a symbol is worth a thousand pictures because there's so much contained within these rich tapestry of symbols that you could spend you know, a, you know, a day discussing just the symbolism of one card, let alone the entire deck. It is a book. It is not just a deck of cards. It is literally an entire book you know, that you can read into repeatedly and in, in extreme depth if you are inclined to do so. Um, and so that, that's the original intent of the tarot. That's why it was encoded into imagery. And uh, the origin. People say, okay, this is derived only from recent times, you know, the, the 14 or 15 or 1600s in Europe. And there's all kinds of uh, claims to where the tarot, uh, you know, originated and where the, what the earliest deck is. And the tarot, I'll just say this, and you can look into this and research the origin. The tarot is much older than people uh, give it credit for being. Okay? It is derived from ancient mystery school traditions that date back to the, the ancient Middle East and in, definitely go back into Egypt. Okay? And this was absolutely used in conjunction with the Kabbalistic tradition and I would say it probably predates what we consider the Egyptian civilizations okay I would say this goes right back into ancient antiquity when you know Egypt was referred to as the land of Chem and probably even before that to lost civilizations of which very little uh, recollection let alone records even remain so it is ancient, ancient. I would say it is thousands of years old, not hundreds. Okay? And you will see a lot of Egyptian symbolism in the tarot cards, kind of uh, giving a, 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 you know, a nod or a, a tip of the hat to the Egyptian uh, civilization as being one of the root lands, the, the motherlands of where this... Uh, rich symbolic tradition was derived. So, uh, with that having been said about the usage of the tarot and the origins of it, let's look into the major arcana now. Okay, so here we go. And um, um, we'll start with the Fool card, card number zero. So, um, this, is not, this is page number two of the PDF document. Hopefully, people who are listening have had a chance to download it. I hope the server held up well and provided a decent download speed. Uh, the document is only about six megabytes. That's not too bad. I tried to compress it well. The images I st think still look good. Uh, if you don't, uh, if you view them at uh, less than 100%, they they crispen up a little bit and you know look a little bit sharper. Okay, so 
This is page number two, and this is card number zero of the Major Arcana. This is called The Fool, okay? It is an, um, a young boy or a young man going off on a quest. He has a, a bag packed on a stick, okay? He has uh, a flower in his hand. He has a dog, a white dog at his side, and he is stepping off of a cliff, Okay? What this card represents is the journey of the soul. The journey of the soul through the physical plane, through all of the planes, all of the worlds, as we talked about in the Kabbalistic tradition. Okay? But it's, it's, it's journey from the no thing, which is where it begins and ends. That's why it's card zero, the cosmic egg. Okay? This is an archetypal, an archetype symbol. Okay? Um, representing infinity, okay, representing the beginning is the end and the end is the beginning, okay? It represents no beginning and no end, okay? They're both joined as one. Infinity, okay, the unified field, the source of all consciousness, all right? It is a journey, not a destination. So the fool is going on this journey because he doesn't know that's why he is taking the journey he is needs experience that's why he's referred to as the fool this isn't necessarily a negative connotation this is saying this is the whole journey is done for experience and knowledge of self okay the fool carries very little with him. This represents that we can take very little with us into other uh, lives. Okay? But there is some. It's a small amount. This is what I talked about when we talked about nature versus nurture and how there is very little human nature. Okay? We come in with very little specific innate capabilities, but we, certain of us do, okay? and they are held over from other incarnations. The flower represents purity, okay, beginning in a pure state. And this is what I've talked about. We don't come in as homicidal murderers. Okay? We come in in a basically pure state, and we are conditioned into the ways that we think through the environmental conditions that are already in place in this world. The dog represents the forces of nature that guide the journey of the soul, but more specifically, it represents the human intuition and the human imagination. The guiding forces of the soul's journey through life. Okay, And you can already see how powerful the symbolism is in these cards. If you're paying any attention, taking any of this to heart, or taking any of it seriously. And scientific types and left brain types will just say, oh, it's all nonsense. Well, go right ahead, continue to believe that, and uh, let yourself be, not understand the, the holistic nature of yourself, live as half a person in the, just the left brain, never make any connection to the, the, the higher consciousness of the right mind, okay? And uh, let yourself be used as a tool, because that's what most people like that are, tools for other people with horrible intentions for them and everyone else, 
that just know more about how the psyche and, and th- these forces work and how to manipulate people. And that's why morons like that, morons like that, will go and build atomic weaponry or hydrogen weaponry for psychopaths. Okay? Yeah, that got, that got you a whole lot. You accomplished a lot with just the pure left brain. And you can say, hey, uh, you, you're, you're, it's harsh the way you, you're wording it. Yeah, it's harsh. Right. I'm not here to make friends with people. Okay? I'm here to explain to people we're heading off a cliff into a ravine and not the one that the fool is headed off because he's going into the abyss of the, the, the uh, universal pool of consciousness is what he's stepping off into, that journey. He's not going over into a, a, a fiery abyss uh, of pure destruction which is what the human race is headed off into, because they won't make that journey that the fool is making. They won't initiate themselves to understand themselves. They want to remain in ignorance and think that they can prosper. And once again, nothing else to say about that except it doesn't work that way. Why? Because it doesn't. Because there are laws in this realm, and you're bound by them, the end. So people will still insist that that's not the case, and all I can do is acknowledge that there are idiots out there like that, and the word idiot means one who does not know the self. That's what the actual uh, etymology of that word it comes down to. And uh, that's exactly what people like that are, idiots. And uh, again, I'm not here to make friends. I'm, I'm tasked with bringing this knowledge out into the light of day so that people who do want to study it can study it, and I'm going to call... Uh, that which is the way I see it. And, you know, the, the left-brained, the, the left-brained imbalance among us are never going to get this. They're not going to get this until they suffer enough. And the only thing I can do is wish that that suffering comes to them as quickly as possible and as brutally and bluntly as possible so that they can get over it and get on with understanding. If not, they'll probably choose to... Uh, not learn and die in this life and, uh, you know, not having uh, initiated themselves into this journey and have to do it all over again many, many times, as many times as it takes because they're never getting out of here without confronting this. So um, the fool's journey is into self. That's what the fool's journey ultimately is toward, a higher understanding of self and higher levels of consciousness. The ultimate goal of the fool is to master the self, the lower level self. Self-mastery is what the, the tarot is teaching us. Okay? So, I would like people to refer to image number one on the website if they have access to it, uh, to, to go up there to the radio listen page and look at image number one for tonight's show, which is the microcosmic tree of life. Okay. We started talking about this last week, and I'm going to proceed in order. I'm going to go in actually reverse order okay, of the cards. I'm going to go from the bottom of this tree to the top of the tree in reverse order of the sephirot of the tree of life. The fool, you will see the fool card depicted in the space right below the top of the tree which is where the Magician card, which is card number one 
in the in the trump cards okay in the major arcana cards is positioned now the full card is not positioned as one of the sephirot of the tree of life okay it is not one of the sephirot it is positioned in what is called the realm of dot dot okay d-a-a-t or d-a-a-t-h okay depending on how uh you know different um different schools of kabbalah spell it uh, transliterated i should say from the hebrew um that is where i am positioning the full card and i am coloring it in white i am putting this outline of this hazy outline of energy if you're looking at this microcosmic tree of life card card number one uh, um image number one on the website uh, for the uh, images for tonight on the radio listen page, okay? This white hazy energy represents that this is the realm of the no thing. This is the realm of the hidden, okay? Because the soul forces are initially hidden and have to be discovered by us, okay? And they don't exist in, they don't have their origin in the physical world okay they are that is the realm of hidden knowledge hidden awareness it is the what is really considered the root the true root of the tree of life from which the tree of life springs okay so this is the no thing it's non-material it's non-physical the tree of life comes out of it as an extension of the spiritual realm okay it's the, the stargate leading to the, the, the realm of pure spirit or pure consciousness, pure awareness. And that is where we're putting the full card to depict that this card is not one of the ten cards of the microcosmic tree of life itself. Rather, the, the soul, okay, the actual spirit is where this tree comes from all right that's why it's positioned there that's very important to understand and again these are all symbols trying to teach an important thing about the nature of the reality in which we live all right we have to keep that in mind this isn't a religion this is just a tapestry of symbols to teach a lesson to teach information about what we are doing here, what this realm is, and if we're going to change it and make it better, what is required of us. And we need to receive that knowledge from the higher self, okay? which is what that realm of dot represents. That's what the whole Kabbalistic tradition is, the process of receiving that's what the word Kabbalah means. Okay? So, let's start at card number 10, Roman numeral 10, at the bottom of the microcosmic tree. This is what I gave the deck of the tarot cards to the listening audience to refer to. Okay? So, because of the discrepancy of the first two cards, the first card in the... Um, PDF document being the face card, and then the second being the zero card, which we just talked about. 
card 10 in the major arcana is on page 12. So we're always going to be two pages. The page numbers will always be two pages greater than the card. Okay? Just keep that in mind. All right? So if you go to page 12 on the um, PDF document, you will see card number 10, the Wheel of Fortune. So the Wheel of Fortune represents the material plane. This represents the physical world. It corresponds to, as we see in image number one, on the microcosmic tree of life, Malkuth, which we talked about last week, being the physical world. It is the world in which we operate. It's the world in which we have to use all of the other forces to make change happen. And it is the realm in which we experience suffering that is proportional to the level of ignorance we exist in. Okay? The level, I should say, of ignorance, apathy, and laziness slash cowardice that we live in. To the extent that those qualities are present in us, we will experience greater suffering. They are inversely proportional. That's directly proportional. Okay? The suffering that we experience is inversely proportional to how much intelligence, care, and will and courage we have. Okay? So as we have more of those, we have less suffering. As we have less of those, we have more suffering. Okay? What is depicted on this card is the wheel of suffering. The wheel of, as it is called in the Buddhist tradition, samsara. Okay? And it is also a reference to us in as to the direction that we need to go if we are to get out of that perpetual cycle of suffering. We have to seek Tara. Okay, that's why the word Taro is on the card. We have to seek the truth. We have to seek the goddess, so to speak. Okay? We have to seek the sacred, feminine, generative force that is hidden in nature, and in our nature, in the heart, in order to get out of that realm that cycle of suffering in the physical domain. And that's what this sphinx represents. He is um, a way shower, so to speak. Okay? He has this sword of truth. And we have to intuitively recognize that there is a pathway to higher consciousness, know that we're not there, we're not in it, in, in the beginning of our initiative, initiate, uh, yeah, in the beginning of our journey as an initiate, okay, and have a leap of faith that the fool is taking, because that's what that is. It's not a suicide. It's a leap of faith that there is such a thing as truth and that we can understand it, and that is what will help us to get out of identification with the purely physical and material. We see around the outside of the uh, card the angels of the corners, as it is referred to. The bull represents Taurus, okay, because these are constellations on the zodiac. This is the great cross. And we see the two crosses depicted in the middle of the Wheel of Fortune. Now, what I'm realizing here is that th- this is 
all of the symbolism, which I think is very important, is probably going to take a little bit longer to describe. We will probably go into a second week on tarot. Hopefully I can wrap up the microcosmic tree tonight, and then next week we'll look at the macrocosmic tree. I think this is very important, and it really um, will begin to take the listener's mind into uh, understanding symbolism and, and realizing how rich symbolism really is that it is a language in and of itself, and that we have to become versed in this symbolism. We have to become symbol literate. Okay? It's an entire language that we need to learn because the dominators, the dark occultists of this world are always using this symbolism. All around us, they're using it. And they're using it to subvert human consciousness so that they can continue to get away with what they've been getting away with. And we need to learn this language if we're going to really, truly be able to break out of their mind manipulation. So this is why I'm doing this now. There's a reason. There's always a method to the madness on this show. Okay, I'm doing this in a very specific linear progression that is set up in kind of a left-brained way because the mind has to be taken out of its conditioning in a very specific way. Because if you don't establish building blocks and you start talking about something here way down the road and the, 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 the foundational principles have not been established early on, somebody just listening is going to say, what are you talking about? You know, That's why it's important to listen to the podcasts of this show in order. So new listeners may you know, find themselves at a disadvantage. You know, maybe they can uh, grasp some of it you know, if they're, they've familiarize ourselves with some of these terms and, uh, and concepts in, in their own readings or in their own life uh, through different forms of media. However, uh, a, a brand new beginner, you know, probably would want to go and listen to the early podcasts and, you know, take the journey from the beginning up to this point. But I'm doing this so that we can get a richer understanding and appreciation of how symbolism works and how it is uh, used so that when we go into the symbolism section, that will be easier for the listener to, to grasp. Also, I will be really breaking down a lot of occult symbolism in the symbolism section, and that's why I'm doing this now, to basically um, familiarize the, the listeners with a lot of occult symbolism, so that will be easier to, uh, to grasp when we get to that section. Okay, So back to the... Uh, uh, Wheel of Fortune card. Okay, we have the angels of the corners. This is all. These are also the gospel writers: Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are the four archangels: Michael, Raphael, Ariel, and Uriel. Okay, um, these are the uh, four elements: earth, air, water, and fire. Okay, on and on. The four seasons: uh, spring, summer, fall, and winter. Okay, so Taurus is Earth, okay, it is the spring season, the midpoint of spring, the middle house of spring in the, in the zodiac, all right? Uh, the the um, uh, lion represents Leo. This is fire, okay? So this is the uh, midpoint of summer, okay? The eagle represents Scorpio. Uh, Aquila, the eagle constellation is in near the constellation of Scorpio. So this is fall, and this is water. Okay? 
and the um, angel represents Aquarius, the water bringer, and this is the midpoint of winter. Okay, so this is air. So again, this is how they relate to the four minor arcana decks. Taurus would be pentacles. Leo would be wands. The, um, the eagle would be uh, cups. And the uh, angel would be swords. Hearing the uh, intro music for this break, we'll be right back on What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passing. Right back after You owe the money. Do you feel like it's your moral obligation? You can't see an end in sight. Well, what if I told you that in truth? You don't owe a single penny. And that the banks know this and hope you don't find out. Here's where we come in. B2Prosper.com specializes in a profound debt repudiation method which challenges the validity of your so-called debts, morally frees you from the burdens, and protects your property. Our system is often superior to settlement, bankruptcy, or consolidation, which often leave you in a worse situation. If you feel the moral obligation to take care of yourself and your family, then I urge you to consider taking action right now. The economy will not wave. If you want to know more so you can prosper through the economic collapse, all while staying honorable and true to yourself, then call 877-417-8393. That's 877-417-8393. Or visit freetoprosser.com right now. Hey, it's me, Shepard, the host of the Intel Hub. Check out my live show every Sunday at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. You can check it out from my website, theintelhubradio.com. Join me, Joe Joseph, John King, and A.C. Griffith, Thursdays and Sunday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern for Freedom Road Radio on the Intel Hub News Network. A very wealthy U.S. citizen is predicting that in 2011, we will witness the most important day in America in more than 50 years. He says it will change everything about our lives. The way you shop, travel, invest, educate your children, and even how you take care of your health and family. Now this man has made some outrageous predictions over the years, but the crazy part is he's usually right. You see, he predicted the collapse of GM, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and America's biggest mall owner, General Growth Properties, a few years ago. In fact, Baronis called his work a dire prophecy. Now, this has nothing to do with the stock market, but it could have a huge impact on almost every aspect of your life. And recently, he created a video which you can watch online for free detailing his biggest and most important prediction yet. And it's a real eye-opener. I can't stress this enough. You should at least watch this free video online today. He explains everything you need to know, including simple steps you can take to protect yourself. You can find the video at www.in.com. End of America 
Facebook.com. Although this video may be offensive to some audiences, it's worth checking out. Again, that's www.endofamerica8.com. Watch this free video at www.endofamerica8.com. You are listening to the Intel Hub News Network. Crushing the New World Order piece by piece. And welcome back to what my friend is happening. And welcome back to what I'm discussing. Your host, Martin Matt. Martin Bill Bob Daddy of Lord. He wants to jump in and say hi real quick. Bob, welcome to what I'm discussing with Martin Matt. Hey Bob, how are you? Thank you. Oh, thank I'm well, Mark. How about you? I'm doing well. Oh, congratulations on your standing room only presentation uh, out in Philadelphia. Uh, everything I needed to know I learned uh, by watching The Wizard of Oz. Mark Cassio breaks the occult icon, Wizard of Oz, down. I wish I could have been there. Wow, Mark. <laughs> yeah, it went, went pretty well. I'm going uh, I'll, to, I'll, I'll give this presentation on the air soon, shortly. I'll, I'll give it. So uh, maybe, uh, maybe even, um, you know, in, in two weeks, maybe we can wrap up the tarot tradition next week and then I can give that presentation in a couple of weeks right here on that, the air. That would be wonderful. Thank, thank you, Mark. That'd be wonderful. I'm going to hurry up and get out of here so you can finish. I just wanted to shout out congratulations uh, you knew it would be a success. I, of course, knew it was going to be a success, and, and it was. And thank you uh, for putting it out there. It's pretty advanced. Thank you for, for sharing it with us. I am waiting uh, impatiently, as it appears. Um, you scored big for the Free Your Mind concert. Freeman Fly will be there in Philadelphia in April. Uh, oh, wow, that's powerful stuff. I'm, I'm with Bob Tuscan. That deserves all kind of applause. It's going to be a good one. Uh, Freeman got back to me a, a few days ago and let me know that he would be available. And uh, uh, we're, we're going to bring Freeman in to speak, and he's going to uh, have a presentation that will knock everybody out. Wonderful. And don't forget, guys, Bob Tuscan will be there. That's right. As a matter of fact, Bob, as a, matter of fact, Bob, as a side note, uh, at the, at the um, uh, Free Your Mind fundraiser the other day, uh, a gentleman, I don't know if he wants me to mention his name on the air, so I'll keep him anonymous, but he's a friend of mine. He came and sponsored you uh, with a check uh, as a speaker. He, he gave us a check that covers your travel expenses, and uh, so we know that we have the money set aside for you. But, uh, wow. One, per, is, one person. Do I know this person, Mark? Uh, I don't believe that you do, no. Uh, he works uh, through another group that I work with in this area. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, like I said, I'd rather not say his name because I don't know whether he wants me to acknowledge his name. But uh, I'll, I'll introduce you to him at the, uh, at the show and let you know that he made that well, possible great, on donation. That touches my heart. And sure. I, I'm definitely looking forward to be there. And, and that just really makes my night. So thank you so much. I'm, I'm glad to be there. I, I am nobody. I'm just somebody out there trying to break uh, free from the chains of mind control that are so prevalent today in this world. And I see my family, my brothers and sisters out there, you know, deep in this stuff. And I just hope to, to wake them up and, and, and cover the, the roots of, of how I see this mind control and, and 
at the conference, Free Your Mind Conference, what a, what a better place to do it. I'm honored that Freeman's going to be there. A lot of great speakers. Uh, Mark Cassio, of course, will have a knockout performance, as usual. And I'm um, just really looking forward to it. That will be in April, folks, so don't miss that. Yes. Hey, and Mark, one last thing. Sure. Uh, Bob Cincinnati's scheduled to be uh, joining us. Hooray. Awesome. Looking forward to meeting Bob in person. I'm looking forward to meeting you guys. And like I told Bob off the air, uh, come uh, high water or whatnot, I've, I'm going to be there. My my little family's already prepared for that. So uh, uh, I, I'm looking forward to meeting both of you gentlemen and all your great speakers. And thank you to the anonymous donor out there who sponsored Bob Tuskin's present at the Free Your Mind concert. You are a hero. Uh, this is going to be great. I feel a lot of energy building for this conference. I was able to plug the Free Your Mind conference on a radio show last week that I assist with on Blog Talk Radio. So I'm excited, and, and uh, it's just going to be great. Great. I'm, I'm glad people are, are really looking forward to it. It has been a difficult uh, journey in putting this together, and uh, I have uh, you know, kind of uh, had ups and downs emotionally about it. It seems like uh, as it's coming a little bit closer, things are wor- more things are working out for the better uh, in relation to it, so hopefully that will continue. Uh, we're going to have an organizers meeting coming up uh, next week for it, and uh, you know, hopefully uh, we can pull together the last remaining, pull together the last remaining resources that we need to make this a, a real success. Again, I you know implore people if you can if you can uh, you know reach out and uh, help make a donation. It would be extremely appreciated. Uh, I mean, you know, I don't want to ask anybody to be able to do things beyond their capability. Of course, you know, they they have to basically take care of themselves and their families first and foremost. But if you are in a position and you support the goals of this conference, uh, we could use donations to help bring in some of the other speakers. So. I have to, you know, ask. They say, ask and you shall receive. I've put it out there, and uh, there it is. So, Bob, I want to thank you for calling in. Always a pleasure to hear from you, Bob, from Cincinnati. Uh, and uh, I'll definitely be seeing you out in uh, in Philly uh, in April. And um, uh, uh, thanks for uh, all that you do, too, in helping to, uh, you know, promote our efforts. Well, that's my pleasure. And, Mark, if you get a chance, maybe share the address with the listeners here on this radio show where they can send cash or perhaps a check or money order made out to cash for the Free Your Mind concert or conference. And uh, just one last thing, Mark, and I'm sure. sorry to interrupt you. Um, the term quintessence is so important to this alchemical transformation. And, you know, you're tying together so many important threads of the 42 weeks that you've been on the air and this is exciting for a lot of us. Uh, the quintessence, the one thing, you called it the fifth element, and how these dark occultists have laughed at us uh, unknowing out here with their movie titles. The fifth element, the Azoth of the Philosopher's, or the Philosopher's Stone, the original Harry Potter book in uh, the rest of the world is called Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Right. Here in America, they gave us Harry Potter and the, the Sorcerer's, Sorcerer's Stone. Stone. Right. It, I talked about this extensively in my Wizard of Oz presentation, Bob, because uh, I make reference to the Philosopher's Stone in that presentation, and I talked about how they uh, renamed that book in the United States to the Sorcerer's Stone. Yes, and it was shameful uh, that they hit out. But, but you're sharing knowledge, and when you talk about Tara uh, equaling the, the truth and care 
the generative principle, the goddess, uh, uh, and, and, and what it means. And then I hear that, I hear uh, uh, the, the president standing at the podium and his war on terror. That's right. It wasn't a war on terror. It was his war on terror. That's he right. Told what the war is on. It's shameful and exciting to hear you share these things. Last thing, Mark, I won't. Uh, one day, would you please share your knowledge about the process, the seven processes of the alchemical transformation? I'm yes. sure you already know what they are. Yes. Calcination, etc. Yes. Thank you, Mark. Uh, the correspondences of it. This is so powerful. I don't. I, I know the people that have listened. They understand what what this means tonight. Thank you, Mark. Good night, gentlemen. Good night, Bob. And uh, I I have those processes in my Wizard of Oz presentation, uh, and so we can look at that when I give that presentation on the air. I actually um, went with a threefold process, which was the original process which had been added onto and created a sevenfold and even uh, a 12-fold process in some alchemical traditions. The oldest of which I, I believe in my studies was a three-step process similar to the um, three uh, stages of Freemasonry, uh, etc., um, and the threefold aspect of consciousness. So um, in my Wizard of Oz presentation, I do actually break down the alchemical uh, processes in the threefold stage, which is the, the oldest alchemical tradition. So uh, when, when I give that presentation on the air, I'll, uh, I'll um, be given that information. So, Bob, always a pleasure and uh, always great questions and, and comments uh, and a pleasure to hear from you. Uh, uh, Bob Tuscan, if we have any more callers, just put them through, just you know, jump in and uh, put, put them on because I like taking calls and uh, um, you know, callers will, will come first. Uh, if uh, I see any calls on the uh, talk shoe um, uh, board, I will uh, go right to you. Um, but be patient. If I don't see you right away, hold on the line, and I will get to you. I'll give the call-in numbers again uh, for the last 35 minutes. If anybody wants to call in, feel free to do so. No taboo topics. Talk about anything you like here on the show. The, the call-in number is 724-444-7444. If you call that number, 724 444 Seven triple four. The call ID number that you'll be asked for is eight three five one five. That's eight three five one five. You could call the alternative call in line on the Blog Talk Network at six four six seven two seven three three eight seven. Once again, six four six seven two seven three three eight seven. We were talking about the. Um, Angels of the Corners, we kind of wrapped up that section, which is the Wheel of Fortune card. Just uh, the important thing to keep in mind with this card, it, is, it represents the physical plane. It represents the, the soul's journey into the state of incarnation or being born into the physical world. And um, the, it alludes to the pathway out of it being through the Keeper of Truth, which is represented there by the Sphinx. Uh, one of the keepers of the, the halls of knowledge, the, the, the halls uh, of records, so to speak, uh, as symbolized in uh, ancient Egypt. Now, on the wheel itself, you will see the name Tarot written as a circle, T-A-R-O, and then back to the original T, okay? Now, again, th this is, there's many things in here, okay? Hidden things, hidden little gems, you'll see the four Hebrew characters, yod Hey vav Hey. 
which is the Tetragrammaton. We talked about that last week in the Kabbalistic tradition. These are references to the four worlds of Kabbalah. These are references to the four elements of nature. These are represent, representative of the uh, name of God in Hebrew, which is transliterated as YHVH, Yahweh or Jehovah. Um, we see the two crosses, okay? The two crosses representing the solar cross, or what is known as the cross of the solar system, or the cross of St. George, the uh, straight up and down cross, like a plus sign. And then we see the, uh, the greater cross representing the cross of the galaxy, okay? which uh, is uh, a reference to these, quote, angels or constellations of the four corners of the zodiac. And uh, that is called, that X-shaped cross is called the cross of St. Andrew. Okay, so um, I will break down the word tarot on this wheel in just a moment, but I see we have a caller uh, on the line. So here we go. Whisper in wind. Caller, you are on. What on earth is happening? What do you have for us today? Yeah, you you said that the um, the imagery and the, the deck of cards was used to uh, find find oneself. I think basically you said. Uh, now would that include uh, uh, necromancing uh, your ancestors and your de- descendants uh, to find yourself there? Well, I, I would say that this is one of uh, the usages that some people in some traditions that study tarot may use it for to get in touch with uh, what uh, we consider the spiritual world or the, the, the realm of the hereafter. Um, this is not one of its uh, original intended usages, as I, I believe divination itself is not. This is something that, again, I think that the intuitive capacities that these cards in studying the symbolism can put you into touch with can help to um, bring out in us. Okay, but I don't think that it's one of the higher uh, usages of these cards. Uh, occultists who are serious students of the self, serious students of the human psyche, use these cards for the story that they tell in their rich symbolism, for the archetypal imagery and symbology that is contained in the cards, rather than for pure divination. But I would say that they can be used for those purposes. That would be my answer to your question does that answer your question yeah i would just say that how could one find oneself if they did not find their ancestors because they are nothing without them and they are nothing without them you know what i mean sure and the, these cards come from our ancestors and they really do tell a rich tradition of where we came from you know if yeah. we really delve down deep into them that they're telling us that this is the, the study of the ancient past as well uh, I think one of the main ways that we are controlled is by being cut off from our origins. If you cut right. off a people from their origins, you are in an absolute position to control, to wield control over them. So that's it's a great point. It's been a weapon to forget your ancestors. The kings of the earth know who their ancestors are. That's right. But they want want you to forget yours. Yeah, now, you're if you absolutely get a vision, right. If you get a vision with... Uh, uh, Mother Mary, they're going to call that a miracle, but if you talk with your ancestors, they're going to call you a witch. Right, right. Wise one, isn't it? I agree, I agree. And uh, you bring up a good point. So I I want to thank you for calling in. Uh, Great point. So, yeah, um, there are a multitude of uses for the tarot. Uh, I am 
I am basically attempting to explain what I consider to be the richest use of them, uh, but it is not the only one. So that caller raises a good point, and he raises a, a great point about the, um, the really important uh, idea of connection to our ancestry and of human origins, which if that can be controlled and cut off from us, it's a piece of cake uh, to basically wield influence and uh, control over other people if they don't know where they've come from. Not knowing where you've come from means ultimately you don't know where you're going. And uh, sadly, that's the case for too many of us. So uh, thank you, caller. Great point. Uh, anyone else? If anyone else calls in, Bob, just throw them right on and uh, you know break in on top of me, and uh, I will uh, monitor the blog talk, the uh, talk shoe line. So um, continuing um, on this wheel of fortune card, uh, there is the word tarot, T-A-R-O. Okay. Now, if we look at the other arrangements of the letters on this wheel, okay, we can see that there is something in it. There is a hidden, uh, a full sentence, not only just words in other languages in it, but there is a full sentence, okay? So the first word that is hidden in this arrangement of letters is rota, R-O-T-A, which is Latin for wheel, wheel, okay? And we see a depiction of the wheel on this card, as we've already referred to. So rota means wheel, Okay? So, um, the word tarot is in there itself. So, the wheel of tarot, okay? What other words or arrangements of words are in here, okay? We see the word T-O-R-A, which is a Hebrew reference, a transliteration of Torah. Torah means law, okay? It's a reference to the first five books of uh, the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Okay, so this is the Torah and what is considered the law in the uh, Judaic tradition. Okay, um, another word for uh, Torah, another concept that it is connected to is the truth itself. Okay, and again, the, the goddess was considered the goddess of truth, justice, and natural law. And her name is, a, is made reference to with T-A-R-O, tarot, which is where the word tarot is derived from Tara, okay? But also her name is hidden in A-T-O-R, Aptor, okay? So if we have a hard breath mark at the beginning, we get Hathor, Hathor, Hathor. Hathor is a name of the goddess in the Egyptian tradition. Hathor is the goddess of love and care, okay? So, we have another name for the goddess hidden in this arrangement of letters, okay? We see the word, if we go in the counterclockwise direction, a couple of words appear. One of them is ator, A-T-O-R, and this is a Latin verb that means cultivate, okay? Cultivate or generate, essentially, okay? And we saw this is about the generative principle, the cultivation of care, okay? Another word in Latin that we derive from this arrangement of letters, and all of these are in order, these letters. We're not going even across to other letters. We're going in order along the outside of the wheel, okay? O-R-A-T means it speaks. He, she, or it speaks. Where we get the word orator from, a speaker, 
Okay? So if we put all of these together, right, we can come up with a sentence that is what the tarot is actually all about. Okay? Wheel, R-O-T-A. Tarot, T-A-R-O. The wheel of the tarot. Okay? A-T-O-R. I'm sorry. A-R-O-T. Arot is... Arot is cultivates. Arot. Okay? The wheel of the tarot cultivates. Okay? Or it is... It acts as a generator. Okay? Then we could say... Orat. O-R-A-T. It speaks. Right? T-O-R-A, Torah, the law, right? A-T-O-R, Hathor, of Hathor. So the wheel of the tarot cultivates, it speaks the law of Hathor, the goddess. This is an entire sentence arranged within those four letters, telling you what the tarot is. Okay? It's a connection that is a circular, a cyclical connection, representing the self, that is, acts as a connection to the generative principle. Okay? A wheel that is a cultivating wheel. And what it ultimately helps us to do is understand the law of nature, of the goddess. It speaks the law of Hathor. That in and of itself, to be able to do that with four letters, is amazing. Okay, and I'll, I'll put a breakdown of that in a slide on the site with the podcast. I hope people um, are looking at some of the uh, images that I post with the podcast as you can go back and download them and listen to these because uh, they help to understand some of these concepts even better. There's another break coming up. I'll be right back, folks. Are you still paying your credit cards and so-called bank loans thinking that you owe the money? Do you feel like it's your moral obligation but can't see an end in sight? Well, what if I told you that in truth, you don't owe a single penny and that the banks know this and hope you don't find out? Here's where we come in. B2Prosper.com specializes in a profound debt repudiation method which challenges the validity of your so-called debts, morally frees you from the burdens, and protects your property. Our system is often superior to settlement, bankruptcy, or consolidation, which often leave you in a worse situation. If you feel the moral obligation to take care of yourself and your family, then I urge you to consider taking action right now. The economy will not wait. If you want to know more so you can prosper through the economic collapse, all while staying honorable and true to yourself, then call 877-417-8393. That's 877-417-8393. Or visit free2prosper.com right now. Hey. 
Hey, it's me, Shepard, the host of the Intel Hub. Check out my live show every Sunday at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. You can check it out from my website, theintelhubradio.com. Join me, Joe Joseph, John Kenny, and A.C. Griffith, Thursdays and Sunday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern for Freedom Link Radio on the Intel Hub News Network. A very wealthy U.S. citizen is predicting that in 2011, we will witness the most important day in America in more than 50 years. He says it will change everything about our lives. The way you shop, travel, invest, educate your children, and even how you take care of your health and family. Now this man has made some outrageous predictions over the years, but the crazy part is he's usually right. You see, he predicted the collapse of GM, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and America's biggest small owner, General Growth Properties, a few years ago. In fact, Baronis called his work a dire prophecy. Now, this has nothing to do with the stock market, but it could have a huge impact on almost every aspect of your life. And recently, he created a video, which you can watch online for free, detailing his biggest and most important prediction yet. And it's a real eye-opener. I can't stress this enough. You should at least watch this free video online today. He explains everything you need to know, including simple steps you can take to protect yourself. You can find the video at www endofamerica8.com. Although this video may be offensive to some audiences, it's worth checking out. Again, that's www.endofamerica8.com. Watch this free video at www.endofamerica8.com. You are listening to the Intel Hub News Network, crushing the new world order piece by piece. Okay, we're back on what on earth is happening. Let's uh, move to the next tarot card upward on the Kabbalistic Tree of Life, the, ma- the microcosmic Tree of Life. If you're referring to image number one on the site, we are going to now move up to card number, to page number 11 on the PDF document, and this is card number nine, okay? Card number nine, and it's called the Hermit. The Hermit is the initiate who begins to leave the purely physical identified state of consciousness. He knows that he has been dwelling in darkness and illusion, and therefore he sets out as well on a journey to truth with a lamp of knowledge, and inside you'll see the six-pointed blazing star representing the seal of Solomon, which we've extensively talked about on this show in the past, as the balance between the left and right brain hemispheres, okay? And that is what the hermit seeks. He knows that he is in a state of spiritual darkness and wants light. That's why he wears a a darker robe, okay? His robes are not pure. They're not white. They're gray, okay? Dark or gray, okay? Uh, This is a connection to... um, 
look at uh, Gandalf, the, the the gray wizard in uh, in uh, Lord of the Rings, who then becomes the white wizard through his process of self purification after he does battle with his internal demon, which is the Balrog in Lord of the Rings, this demon of smoke and fire. Okay. Um, after doing battle with him and conquering him, which represents the darker aspects of the self, he then emerges uh, as the White Wizard in the later uh, parts of the, uh, the the trilogy. So, the Hermit is the initiate. Okay, he is the one who realizes he has a lot to to, to learn, and he is in darkness but wants to receive. Okay, so this is associated with the desire center. This is the sacrum chakra. Like the Wheel of Fortune card represents Malkuth or the base chakra. And you can refer to image number three for a correlation between the tree of life sephirot uh, or the emanations along the tree of life, on the tree of life symbol and the chakras of the body. Okay? Um, so this would be the desire chakra or what is referred to as the, the sacrum chakra in the um, Vedic tradition. Okay? It's called the Swadhisthana chakra. Okay? So that is uh, the sphere of Yasod on the tree of life. Okay? That is foundation. He is establishing a foundation through his desire to learn. He is beginning to root himself in higher levels of awareness. He is now out of Asiya, and this is the first Sephiroth in the world called Yetzira, the realm of formation. Okay? Moving upward to the, the cards that are colored yellow. Okay? This is a dualistic chakra or a dualistic emanation along the tree of life. Because we have to look at these all in conjunction uh, in reference to the middle pillar. Okay? So um, this is a twofold aspect of the will center. Okay? The, 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 uh, the root chakra connects us with the physical plane. The uh, sacrum chakra, representing Yesod or the hermit, okay, is the desire center of wanting to improve ourselves wanting to gain more spiritual knowledge. And then we have to apply will. Okay? Of course, will has to be tempered by care. This is why the heart chakra is even above that. But the yellow, uh, two yellow cards represent the two dual, the dual nature of the will. Okay? And this is an internal manifestation and an external one. Okay? So the Internal manifestation is the card to the left there on the pillar of severity, and it is called strength. This is associated with the sephirah known as hod, okay, which we talked about last week. You can always go back to the podcast and refer to these and the images and books. Tons of information to, to, to cross-correlate all of these, okay? But what that card represents is courage, Okay? So this is an internal quality, the, the strength to overcome fear that is within, all right? And uh, that is card number eight, 
Card number eight, you'll see an, a woman with a lion, and she has an infinity symbol over her head, written, meaning that she is kind of uh, coronated as an illuminate, one who know, does know the self, okay? Um, she is holding the jaws of a lion closed with her bare hands. Now, <laughs> that's a symbol for courage right there, okay? But it's a symbol that she is conquering her fears, she is conquering her internal fears. All right? So, courage, the strength card, the sphere of hold on the tree, on the left-hand pillar of severity, okay? The next card is Sephiron number um, uh, seven on the tree of life. And this would be associated with card number seven, Okay? It's called the chariot. And here we see as the secondary aspect of the plane of will, okay, of the, uh, uh, the aspect of will, this is the solar plexus chakra in the Vedic chakra system, okay? It's called the Manipura chakra, all right? Um, this is, this card, the chariot, represents willpower to act in the world. So we have internal courage and external willpower, okay, to actually get something done, all right, using the will that exists within us to get something done in the external world, in the physical world. That's why he is the chariot driver, the charioteer, okay? He uses the two forces, okay, the, the feminine force of care and the masculine force of actually action actually acting in the world, okay, represented by these two sphinxes, okay, the, the sacred feminine is the dark one and the sacred masculine is the white one, okay, to actually take action in the world, and that's why he's holding a wand, representing action in the suit of wands, okay, and he is also crowned as an illuminate, as you will see this theme repeated over and over again. It's showing you this is one of the paths to illumination, to what is really meant as enlightenment, acting in the proper moral way. That's what this card represents. That's why it is on the pillar of action or the pillar of mercy, the right-hand path of the Kabbalistic tree of life. Okay? So again, we could spend a whole show on each card. I, I, I want to move forward because we only have a few moments left. Uh, and we'll continue this next week, but I'm going to move a little bit faster. Card number six, as we move up to the green, or the middle of the tree of life, the very hub, which is the representative of the heart chakra or the anahata chakra, okay? This is the lover's card, of course, because this is about love. This is about true care. Once again, we see the twin forces of male and female represented by Adam and Eve, and they are brought together by higher consciousness or an archangel. I believe that would be the representative of, it would represent the archangel Michael, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, it's just basically saying higher forces is what that angel represents, okay? And that's what love puts us into touch with. That's what true care puts us into touch with, all right? So the lover's card associated with the heart chakra, Okay, on the tree of life, that would be uh, the sphere of um, Tiferet, 
which means beauty. And uh, I neglected to mention uh, uh, the sphere called Netzah is what we would associate the chariot with. Okay? But uh, Tiferet on the Tree of Life corresponds to the lover's card. Going forward to Sephirah number five, this is the Hierophant. Okay? Um, some decks call this card simply the Pope. Okay? The Hierophant represents the aspects that we exercise within ourselves for self-control. Dominion, as I've called it. Bringing the thoughts, emotions, and actions into harmony or unison in an act of our will. So, controlling our own thoughts, emotions, and actions, the only thing we're really allowed to control. That's the Hierophant card, what he ultimately represents, and you will see that he is crowned, sovereign, okay? And you'll see this over and over again, all right? Um, he holds also a form of a wand, because this is about a form of control, but it is the kind of control that we do have a right to exercise because it is taking control over the kingdom of self. And that's why this is called uh, severity or geburah on the tree of life. And this card is blue. It is associated with the throat chakra or the vishuddha chakra. Okay? So, um, hierophant, internal self-control, self-dominion. Okay? Um, and it also represents maintaining control over uh, your, own, your own words and what you are doing with your words since it is associated with the throat chakra. Okay, so it is about what do you use your uh, voice energy to speak into creation? What are you putting out there? Are you speaking the truth? Okay, that's what this card is all about. All right, now the, the next card, card number uh, four, in the major arcana, is the emperor. And this would be associated also with the throat chakra, as this is another dualistic rung on the tree of life. Okay? Uh, and um, this card would be associated with the sphere called um, uh, Hesed, which is mercy. Okay? On the, the pillar of mercy. The, the right-hand pillar on the tree of life. And the emperor represents influencing others, being an influence in the world, okay, through what you know, what you care about, and what you do. How does your life inspire and influence other people? Are you an example, like a good king, okay, setting an example for others on how to live and what to spend your time doing and what to spend your, uh, the resources that you have on and what to do with your mind? etc., and how to use your voice. Okay, so this is the external influence that we exercise upon others around us in whatever way. All right? The emperor. Again, he also has a form of a wand, and he has a globe representing the earth. Uh, and what this really represents is that our actions uh, go beyond us and influence the world. All right? Um, he is also crowned as emperor, okay? Associated with Aries as well, the ram, a fire sign, okay? It's on the active pillar. So that is the emperor card 
and that it, that that completes the throat chakra, the two aspects of the throat chakra: internal self-control and then in, influence of others. Okay, how we um, speak to ourselves to help ourselves uh, move forward in consciousness, uh, and how we speak to others to influence them, uh, and you know, do we use that in the capacity of truth? Uh, do we use that to really make a contribution and to leave the world better than we found it? Uh, going up to card number three, the Empress card, okay? Clearly we see that this is associated with the goddess, as is the next card upward. Um, uh, we have the heart uh, and the symbol of Venus itself, the planetary symbol for Venus. Clearly this is uh, the symbol for Venus, um, again, crowned with stars because it's one of the uh, planets, uh, again, connected with the stellar cult, the, the uh, astrotheological cult of stars and planets, as we talked about in past weeks. Um, this card is connected with the Sephirah called Binah. Binah means understanding. Okay? So this is simply, and again, this is uh, these two chakras, uh, these two cards in purple here are associated with the third eye chakra, which is the uh, the uh, Ajna chakra. So the Ajna chakra um, is the empress and the high priestess, which represents the goddess. Um, uh, this is you know about the realm of knowledge because we're up uh, at the third eye level of the tree of life, and um, again the empress uh, in being a correspondence to the Sephirah Binah is simply what we know, okay? It's an internal quality. That's why it's on the pillar of severity. Going up to card number four, here we see the goddess uh, in the middle of the Temple of Solomon, the Freemasonic pillars of Joaquin and Boaz, okay? Um, also representing the tribes of Benjamin and Judah, okay? Um, with the moon, because she is the moon goddess, the cross on her chest representing the heart um, chakra and also the giving birth to the sun uh, savior on the, the cross of the zodiac. Torah written on the on the book she is holding because she is the goddess of truth and law. Okay, as she is connected with Maat. The tree of life is behind her. You'll notice, and it's uh, depicted as pomegranates. And uh, if you checked out the page uh, on my podcast section uh, for last week. I posted a book called A Garden of Pomegranates by the occultist Israel Regardi, which talks about the Tree of Life and Kabbalah in general. Uh, rich symbolism all over the card. Um, this is the goddess of truth. This is Tara herself, okay, uh, depicted in the deck. And she represents the sphere on the tree called Hokmah, Hokmah is um, wisdom because, of course, she is the Logos Sophia, the word of wisdom itself, okay? Wisdom is what we do with what we know. So this is the active quality. Finally, the magician represents self-mastery and he masters all the forces of nature and the lower elements of the material world and he wields the wand of power which connects us to the spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, that's all we have time for this week on What on Earth is Happening. I'll uh, be getting to uh, more symbolism of the tarot coming up next week. We'll look at the macrocosmic tree. I'll wrap up the magician card a little bit. 
Uh, but we'll see you next Tuesday night right here on What on Earth is Happening on the Intel Hub News Network. I'm your host, Mark Passio. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Great callers. We'll see you here next week. Good night.